Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit As it is consumed in the day, here seem to be plenty of vines with bunches of large grapes, which, upon being pressed, yielded nothing but milk. We saw the inhabitants running races upon the surface of the milk. They were upright comely figures, nine feet high, have three legs, and but one arm. Upon the whole their form was graceful, and when they quarrel they exercise a straight horn which grows in adults from the centre of their foreheads with great adroitness. They did not sink at all, but ran and walked upon the surface of the milk, as we do upon a bowling green. Upon this island of cheese grows great plenty of corn, the ears of which produce loaves of bread, ready-made, of a round form like mushrooms. We discovered in our rambles over this cheese seventeen other rivers of milk, and ten of wine. After thirty days' journey we arrived on the opposite side to that on which we landed. Here we found some blue mould, as cheese-eaters call it, from one spring all kinds of rich fruit. Instead of breeding mites, it produced peaches, nectarines, apricots, and a thousand delicious fruits which we are not acquainted with. In these trees, which are of an amazing size, were plenty of birds' nests. Amongst others was a king's fishers of prodigious magnitude. It was at least twice the circumference of the dome of St. Paul's Church in London. Upon inspection, this nest was made of huge trees, curiously joined together. There were, let me see, for I make it a rule always to speak with compass, there were upwards of five hundred eggs in the nest, and each of them was as large as four common hogsheads, or eight barrels, and we could not only see, but hear the young ones chirping within. Having with great fatigue cut open one of these eggs, we let out a young one, unfeathered, considerably larger than twenty full-grown vultures. Just as we had given this youngster his liberty, the old kingfisher lighted, and seizing our captain, who had been active in breaking the egg, in one of her claws, flew with him above a mile high, and then let him drop into the sea, but not till she had beaten all his teeth out of his mouth with her wings. Dutchmen generally swim well. He soon joined us, and we retreated to our ship. On our return we took a different route, and observed many strange objects. We shot two wild oxen, each with one horn, also like the inhabitants, except that it sprouted from between the eyes of these animals. We were afterwards concerned at having destroyed them, as we found by inquiry they tamed these creatures, and used them as we do horses to ride upon and draw their carriages. Their flesh, we informed, is excellent, but useless where people live upon cheese and milk. When we had reached within two days' journey of the ship, we observed three men hanging to a tall tree by their heels. Upon inquiring the cause of their punishment, I found they had all been travellers, and upon the return home had deceived their friends by describing places they never saw, and relating things that never happened. This gave me no concern, as I have never confined myself to facts. As soon as we arrived at the ship we unmoored, and set sail from this extraordinary country, when, to our astonishment, all the trees upon shore, of which there were a great number very tall and large, paid their respects to us twice bowing to exact time, and immediately recovered their former posture, which was quite erect. By what we could learn of this cheese, it was considerably larger than the continent of all Europe. After sailing three months we knew not where, being still without compass, we arrived in a sea which appeared to be almost black. Upon tasting it we found it most excellent wine, 
and had great difficulty to keep the sailors from getting drunk with it. However, in a few hours we found ourselves surrounded by whales and other animals of an immense magnitude, one of which appeared to be too large for the eyes to form a judgment of. We did not see him till we were close to him. This monster drew our ship, with all her masts standing and sails bent, by suction into his mouth, between his teeth, which were much larger and taller than the mast of a first-rate man-of-war. After we had been in his mouth some time, he opened it pretty wide, took an immense quantity of water, and floated our vessel, which was at least five hundred tons burthen, into his stomach. Here we lay as quiet as an anchor in a dead calm. The air, to be sure, was rather warm and very offensive. We found anchors, cables, boats, and barges in abundance, and a considerable number of ships, some laden and some not, which this creature had swallowed. Everything was transacted by torchlight, no sun, no moon, no planet to make observations from. We were all generally afloat in a ground twice a day. Whenever he drank, it became high water with us, and when he evacuated, we found ourselves aground. Upon a moderate computation, he took in more water at a single draught than is generally to be found in the Lake of Geneva, though that is above thirty miles in circumference. On the second day of our confinement in these regions of darkness, I ventured at low water, as we call it when the ship was aground, to ramble with the captain and a few of the other officers with lights in our hands. We met with people of all nations, to the amount of upwards of ten thousand. They were going to hold a council how to recover their liberty, some of them having lived in this animal's stomach several years. There were several children here who had never seen the world, their mothers having lain in repeatedly in this warm situation. Just as the chairman was going to inform us of the business upon which we assembled, this plaguy fish, becoming thirsty, drank in his usual manner. The water poured in with such impetuosity that we were all obliged to retreat to our respective ships immediately or run the risk of being drowned. Some were obliged to swim for it, and with difficulty saved their lives. In a few hours, after we were more fortunate, we met again just after the monster had evacuated. I was chosen chairman, and the first thing I did was propose splicing two main masts together, and the next time he opened his mouth to be ready to wedge them in, so as to prevent his shutting it. It was unanimously approved. One hundred stout men were chosen upon this service. We had scarcely got our masts properly prepared when an opportunity offered. The monster opened his mouth. Immediately the top of the mast was placed against the roof, and the other end pierced his tongue, which effectively prevented him from shutting his mouth. As soon as everything in his stomach was afloat, we manned a few boats who rowed themselves and us into the world. The daylight after, as near as we could judge, three months' confinement in total darkness, cheered our spirit surprisingly. When we had all taken our leave of this capacious animal, we mustered just a fleet of ninety-five ships of all nations who had been in this confined situation. We left the two masts in his mouth to prevent others being confined in the same horrid gulf of darkness and filth. Our first object was to learn what part of the world we were in. This we were for some time at a loss to ascertain. At last I found, from former observations, that we were in the Caspian Sea, which washes part of the country of the Kalmuk Tartars. How we came here it was impossible to conceive, as this sea has no communication with any other. One of the inhabitants of the Cheese Island, whom I had brought with me, accounted for it thus, that the monster in whose stomach we had been so long confined had carried us here through some subterraneous passage, 
However, we pushed ashore, and I was the first who landed. Just as I put my foot upon the ground, a large bear leapt upon me with its forepaws. I caught one in each hand, and squeezed him till he cried out most lustily. However, in this position I held him till I starved him to death. You may laugh, gentlemen, but this was soon accomplished, as I prevented him licking his paws. From hence I travelled up to St. Petersburg a second time. Here an old friend gave me a most excellent pointer, descended from the famous bitch before mentioned, that littered while she was hunting a hare. I had the misfortune to have him shot soon after by a blundering sportsman, who fired at him instead of a covey of partridges which he had just set. Of this creature's skin I have had this waistcoat made, showing his waistcoat, which has always led me involuntarily to game if I walk in the fields in the proper season, and when I come within shot, one of the buttons constantly flies off and lodges upon the spot where the sport is, and as the birds rise, being always primed and cocked, I never miss them. Here are now but three buttons left. I shall have a new set sewn on against the shooting season commences. When a covey of partridges is disturbed in this manner, by the button falling amongst them, they always rise from the ground in a direct line before each other. I one day, by forgetting to take my ramrod out of my gun, shot it straight through a leash as 